Hello everyone and uh, welcome to episode number 18 of the Learn from Traders podcast. This is your host Meet Bhandari and on this week's episode our guest is Mr. Urban Jekyll from Germany. Now Mr. Urban is a trader and co-author of the book Trading Systems a new approach to system development and portfolio optimization. He has co-authored this book along with Mr. Emilio Tomasini. This book has two editions. and uh, i thought of inviting mr jekyll to my podcast while i was reading the second edition in his book he explains how one should go about doing systematic trading back testing trading systems collecting data from the right sources and so much more about trading system development for me this book has proven to be very very helpful and i recommend this book to everyone who wants to get started with systematic trading mr jekyll has been trading for almost 3 decades and his trading experience is more than my age i'm 22 years old he'll tell you things which only an experienced trader can tell one of them being how we always had a main source of income and traded on the side while depending on trading in the stock market is not a wrong thing to do for your expenses but not having a regular source of income to pay for your bills and expenses and hoping that the stock market will be able to help you with that can be quite dangerous as returns in the market are always uncertain one of the most fascinating things about mr jekyll is the simplicity of the logic behind his trading systems and strategies he explains some of his strategies in our podcast and even in his book his book has the back tested results of these strategies as well he makes very good use of common sense to develop his strategies so without giving away too much information I leave you here to enjoy this episode and learn from Mr Urban Jekyll. He definitely has a lot to teach us. And also, if you want to learn more about Ami Broker, do check out his course on Ami Broker on his website. And we also talk about why Mr Jekyll thinks that Ami Broker is one of the best trading system back testing and development software out there. So, happy trading and investing. Let's get started and like always whatever you learn from here or in general in your life take it with a little bit of skepticism and first see if it applies to your life and only then apply it welcome to learn from traders again this is your host meet bandari in conversation with mr urban jekyll welcome to learn from traders mr urban it's great to have you here how are you doing fine thanks you for having me wonderful so it's uh, really uh, an honor for me to be able to uh, record an episode with you because uh, i am currently reading your book trading systems second edition and uh, to be able to speak to the author of the book which i'm currently hooked to is a great experience for me okay i'm happy <laughs> that's nice yeah. thank you yeah so i can see the book right behind you is that the first or the second edition the on on your actually shelf? here is the second edition yeah mm. i'm also reading the second edition right now this is second edition here the blue one yeah, yeah. and the first edition is also still available i have here mm. so i'm right. reading an ebook so i have okay yes on my laptop i think we have so many ebooks in india yeah Uh, maybe five thousand or ten thousand. 
Yeah, I'm really lucky that yes. I got my hands on to your book because it's really helping me a lot in uh, becoming a proper systematic trader. And uh, I think uh, I'm here to learn from the best, and I'm hoping that uh, our conversation flows really smoothly, and we get to learn a lot from each other. Yes, this is the purpose of the bar of the book that. Uh... I show you how I'm doing it with the trading systems and how to develop them, how to improve them. And also on my website, you find all the free codes, mm. which are in the book. And there is also um, a video course to support you in Emmy Broker. Yeah. I mean, the book is the book, both the, uh, both the editions of trading systems uh, written by uh, Mr. Uh, Jekyll himself and uh, his co-author, Mr. Emilio, both are like mm -hmm. a really good guide for you to start with, get started with systematic trading. And I, I recommend it to anyone who is uh, planning to become a full-time systematic trader. The book, both the books are really good. So with that, let's get started. And uh, one of the quotes that really stayed with me from your book is to make money in any market conditions, you need two things, a trading plan, which consists of a portfolio of trading systems first. And second, the discipline to follow this trading plan, which includes risk and money management to avoid big losses. Now I've summarized the entire episode for all the listeners in these two lines, but this is also what both the books are all about. They teach you how to not just develop a trading system, but also follow it with discipline and how to keep your risk and money management under control so that you avoid big losses. So I hope you all uh, really enjoy this episode with Mr. Urban and he is here to teach us a lot of new things. So firstly, uh, please take us to your earliest days, Urban, which I believe is almost three decades. So you have almost 30 years of experience in the markets. Like how were you introduced to the markets and what were the first few years like for you? Okay, yes, it's about 27 years ago. No, it was in 1995. Actually, I'm a very conservative guy. So I started trading when I started a job in a company. I had more money before I didn't want to risk. And when I had a job, so I had a regular income, I started just normal stocks. And the first years, I think it was like every new trader I made example I I on the risky stocks I put too much money and I I had to learn how to exit I think in the beginning everybody finds many stocks how to uh, to buy everything looks interesting but the real uh, lesson is to learn how to exit and how to how to to find a uh, a management that you don't set put all your money on the riskiest trade better is it's that it's clear after many years the most important is to keep your losses short small and when you have winners to stay on these winners and after some years i came across some valuable books the one was from andreas klino Stocks on the move. And in this book, it's also there behind in my library. 
he shows how to rotate. And that's what I'm still doing and what I'm doing also in my book to rotate always into strongest stocks. For example, this is momentum. This is one strategy. One of my basic strategies is a bullying or breakout system. And it's one lesson to learn better to stay with the winners. For example, in the current market situation, you see the winners are mainly stocks, um, commodity stocks, for example, energy. Energy is very hot at the moment. And of course, it's also risky. It can, can go down. But on the other side, it's where the opportunities are. And many new traders, they stick too long with, with the favorites of last year. For example, last year or one year ago, we had biotech. We had companies like C, C Limited, or, which is also very famous in Asia, or like all the tech stocks look at PayPal, how they were going down and Probably it's still too early to buy them because they are the most important, according to my findings, is that you have a trend and don't, it's bottom fishing sometimes works, but in the long run, it's better to stay with the winners. I think this was one, maybe two, two or three lessons. First is to keep the losses short. Second is to stay with the winners and not with the losers. And the third is not to put all your money on one position. You must, good money managers, they have at least 15 positions. As a small trader, I think the minimum is maybe five to 10, mm. but five is also very, already very little positions. You need to manage it on the one side. So more than 20 you lose the overview so i found 10 to 15 is suitable and in the beginning nobody looks at things like this but they are essential to live in the long term to survive mm. well you have to always protect your capital at the end of the day otherwise how will you trade <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so you have uh, given a lot of wisdom and uh, one of the very important things that you mentioned was how you were conservative when you started and you had a significant amount of capital like and a regular flow of income before you started trading right and that's one thing that uh, you know we keep telling listeners on our podcast is like you cannot uh, firstly start with a low capital that because then undercapitalization Uh, is right. always a problem you cannot grow big or if you suffer big drawdowns mm -hmm. it's a big problem so exactly very yeah very wise of you to say that and all uh, great traders say this like uh, if you don't have capital like the one of the traders that i spoke to told me like this is called the capital market for a reason it's because you need capital to start with and you need to protect your capital only then it should grow so yeah, very well said. And uh, you've, you've actually given a lot of wisdom in the first few minutes itself. So I hope people uh, are really enjoying this mm -hmm. episode. So uh, tell me, uh, you, I, I think you had a good way to start trading in the markets because you were conservative, but were you always a systematic trader from the beginning? Mainly just 
studying a lot. So I, I started to read all the articles in newspapers and trading journals. And I, I just wanted to uh, first my goal, of course, like every trader is to make money. And I found many ideas and I tested many things. And I think it's also dependent very much on the phase in the market in which you are in. So I started in 1995 and in 1998, the market was still on the move up. But because I was so unexperienced and unsystematic, I didn't really make money. And in the meantime, I was starting to program my ideas. And at that time, breakouts were very successful. For example, markets. I did not only trade stocks, but I also traded futures. For your listeners, this is uh, where you get a leverage. So you can make bigger gains, but also bigger losses. And there, stock management, money management is even more important. And I started to program. And first I started with trade station. And then I was very, very happy in this market phase, 1998 to the year 2000, which was similar like the last two years. Stocks went only up. So in that phase, I was quite successful. But back to your question. Yes, in the beginning, I was often just uh, try to find ideas in, in magazines or nowadays in the internet, this is also, it's really important to get an overview on everything. But the problem is that there are too many ideas and you you need to focus on, on one point. So I would suggest that you, if you want to get a systematic trader, read every all the books, there are strategies. I have some really nice books there, but all They are not focusing just on single situations, but on systems, how to, on statistics. My goal is always to find an edge in the market, something which repeats itself. And this developed after some years only. It's, it's not so easy in the beginning and you have to have some experience. Still, I, um, I would say, markets are changing you never can say that you are finished because things which were easily in the 1990s or especially in the 1999 and 2000 for example momentum strategies were fantastic at that time and then you have other phases for example the years 2000 to the year 2003 you had a, a big correction and there is important to preserve your gains, for example. There are phases, or for example, like last half year or like the last two months, it's not only important sometimes to win, but also to preserve your capital. There, there are phases which are really difficult when the market goes down. It's, it's maybe more important to stay out of the market than than just to win all the time. So for example, at the moment, my strategies, most of my strategies are off, which are dealing with uh, stock markets. So because the, 
the USA, which I'm mainly trading. It's the most liquid S&P 500, NASDAQ 100. They are just in a, in a downtrend since yeah, it started in January. The year already started badly. And then end of January, the markets collapsed below the 200-day two, moving average. And there I have some signals which tell me, wait, don't don't trade for some days or for some weeks. And so for the moment, I'm out in most of these stock strategies. Wonderful. And uh, you mentioned one thing that you were always invested in educating yourself and reading as many books as possible. So yes, absolutely. I'm also education is the most important. Sorry. <laughs> Wonderful. Yes. And everyone should, I believe, get started with uh, your book, which is quite easy in simple language. And it's quite fun to read as well, because in your book, you've also described uh, proper back-tested systems. So for any trader, and there are also any broker coding ideas, and uh, it's a very helpful resource, I would say. It's like my holy grail for learning systematic trading. So uh, I have a few quotes that are really that really stuck with me from your book, and uh, I wanted your uh, explanation on them. So one of them is uh, I'm currently reading your book for the second time, and uh, you mentioned that to rely only on one trading system and only one market is risky. Now, can you please explain this in greater detail for the listeners? Yes, it is. For example, at the moment, you can see very clearly, let's just say, take an extreme example. If you last year decided to trade Russian stocks, at the moment, the Russian market is completely switched off. I think last week, the, uh, the stock market in Moscow, is just closed. So this is an extreme example. But still, if you are trading, for example, Euro-Dollar, for example, or your trade gold. The problem is if you rely on just one market, you have very few signals. For example, I have a very nice strategy on gold. It's called the Friday gold rush. You're only, you're only long on every Friday and all the other days are, you are out. It's interesting that just to trade gold each Friday, you can earn money. Or another strategy is the beginning of months strategy, which I have in my book in the stock market. In the beginning of each month, there is money flowing into the market. For example, everybody gets his salary. You know, when there is a middle of the month or end of the month, you've, maybe you go out of money. You cannot buy many things. And in the beginning of the month, you get new money and all the world gets new money. And you can show statistically that it's good to buy the stock market there. But as you see, this one strategy to buy the stocks only one time in the month, it's just one signal in the month. You cannot live from this alone or it's very risky. And the second one, for example, the gold, you also have just one signal one time per week. And But if you take these two, you already have two different markets, two different strategies, which are more or less uncorrelated. And here is the only gift, the only present which you get as a trader. This is the to have different trading strategies which are uncorrelated. So the more strategies you have, 
And on the more different market and the more uncorrelated they are, the better it is. But unfortunately, I'm on the markets now since these 20 or 30 years. There are not so many different trading strategies out there. Or I would say 90% of all the strategies, more or less, the, the biggest problem is the curve fitting and to, to really find something valuable must have some logic. For example, with this beginning of month strategy, it's very simple, but it has some logic, it's very robust. Also, the strategy for the stocks to stay with the winners, it's also logic because when there is a trend evolving, everybody, everybody goes with the winner, more money flows in. But of course, the risk gets higher and there are sharp drawdowns in between. So another reason if you rely on this strategy, you have to suffer in between some drawdowns. And so, so it can continue like this. So if you focus just on one market or one strategy, the risk is simply too high. Or if you do this, I advise you that you have a solid job in the background, which is your second strategy. So for example, if you have a, a really nice job where you earn very, every month enough money, then you can just rely on one strategy. I think the most important, whatever you whatever you are doing, is that you can keep cool with your nerves. So, because the worst thing is that your risk or your position is too high, you cannot follow your strategy, or it it kills you when the risk is too high. It kills you, not that you are dying. I mean, there are worse situations in life than trading. But psycholo from the psychology, I know many people, they started around the year 2000, like the people who started last year. When everything goes up, everybody thinks, okay, it's so easy. I just have to put much, much money in one strategy or one stock. But then they don't survive if they take too high risks. So... We are again on the same point where we started already 10 minutes ago or so. Wonderful. And uh, the best part is I also read about this beginning of one strategy. I, I realized that this is such a simple thing. It's so simple that it, it did not even come to my mind. And even the logic behind it is so simple. And the backtested results mm -hmm. are quite good as well. So you mentioned that trading strategies when you create a portfolio of strategies, firstly, you should run multiple strategies at the same time. So when you're creating this portfolio of strategies, how do you measure their correlation and how do you ensure that they are not correlated? Firstly, explain what correlation is because for many listeners or for personally speaking myself, I do not understand what correlation is. Is correlation means, uh, does it mean that when market goes up, the only then the strategy works, it has a long or short side bias? Or what do you mean by correlation? Yeah, this, this is a very important point. Correlations means basically, I can explain very good with currencies, for example. You have the euro and the dollar. So when the dollar is strong, the dollar goes up, the euro goes down. And if you trade the euro dollar, it's one market and you can trade really nice strategies on this because it's very liquid market. And then, for example, you also have the, the dollar against the Japanese yen. And of course, when the dollar is strong, 
normally it goes up against the euro and against the yen. So if you have a strategy on the euro and a strategy on the yen against the dollar, both strategies trade dollar and on the other side you just have one time euro, one time yen, probably these strategies are similar because often when the, when the euro do goes down against the dollar, the yen will also go down simply because the dollar is strong, for example. And this means correlation. So if you have two strategies on these two markets, these strategies will, will be similar. So it doesn't give you much diversification. It would be better not to choose another currency market for your, for your next trading system. So better look, for example, at gold. Okay, gold is also a little bit correlated because when the dollar usually is strong, gold is weak. But so everything is a little bit correlated nowadays. And sometimes even on the very small time frames, just, just imagine, for example, now we have this war in Ukraine with Russia. Just imagine if there no is a is a big war and so the stocks go down, oil goes up, gold goes up, every safe haven, heavens go up and the stock markets go down. Imagine if there would be a sudden peace, which everybody hopes, but if it would be a surprise at this point, then suddenly gold would go down because no, there is peace. Nobody needs this safe heaven. Oil would, would go down because obviously Russia could export again or whatever. And the stocks would benefit because these high commodity prices and every, this, it's not good for the stock market because it lowers their gains. The companies don't earn money. So you see just one event would be a piece and intraday you would get rich big movements, everything would be correlated. So, which is simple in theory that you have uh, strategies for gold, for euro, for yen. It could be in, in, uh, in real life sometimes more complex. So it can be still correlated. But this is about the trading strategies for single uh, for single equities like gold. But you asked me about the portfolios and about the portfolios of stocks. I'm doing this. At the moment, I have a signal service. I have three strategies for five US stocks. And how did I find them? So I, I look, there are, there are several factors in the stock market which works statistically from, from the past. For example, there is a paper from Pim Van Fleet. He, he investigated stocks over 100 years and was looking which factors in the stock market lead to old performance, old performance towards the S&P 500. And the first factor is the momentum. So you go with the trend. And another factor is seasonality. So nobody's really sure what is seasonality. Seasonality means that for example, in winter, oil stocks uh, tend to be good because commodity prices could rise there or especially energy prices. Or for example, retail stocks could be good before Christmas because everybody goes shopping. It's very simplified. 
But, and so the second factor is seasonality. Another factor is low volatility. So stocks which are very smooth, smooth, they, they tend to go further. And another factor is sentiment. You know, when everybody is optimistic, then it's good to stay out of the market. And when everybody is pessimistic, like at the moment, for example, in the long run, this could be a good buying opportunity. And I took so, such factors. So I took one momentum strategy, which is similar to the book. We are, there is Bollinger. And then I took, I developed a seasonal strategy. This is not in the book, but maybe in the next book, I don't know, but in my signal service, I'm looking for the stocks in the S&P 500, which are, which have a good seasonality. So with Emmy Broke, I compare all the 500 stocks from the S&P 500, and I'm looking all the last years. So the next month is April. So I look last year, April, two years ago, April, three years ago, April, how all these 500 stocks performed in April, the last 10 years. And I take these five stocks, which in April usually are the best. And these I buy on the 1st of April and hold them one month. And on the S&P 500, this brings um, statistically in the back test 23% over the last, I think I tested, I have the data until 1958. So 60 or 70 years of data and this is really nice and so but still of course it's still correlated because if the whole stock market goes up your momentum strategies will work and your your seasonal strategy will also work and the sentiment strategy which is the third is also better than so when you are trading portfolios of stocks in fact you always have correlation if you trade the same markets, it would be better in this case to go to other markets. So I'm trading the US stocks because it's the most liquid stocks with S&P 500 and the Nasdaq 100 especially. But to diversify this strategy to take risk out, I would look then for other stock universes, for example, the Euro stocks, 50 or stock 600 where you have 600 stocks or to look in in india for example in the index to have a diversification from the markets which you choose and another point which you asked about the correlation from your strategy to the market this is obvious i mean when you have a phase like the last two months when the market is in a sharp correction and you you are your strategy is trading tech stocks like Nasdaq 100, then you can be happy when you have zero performance. You're out, like my strategy is at the moment. This is good because in this going down market, with the long only strategy to gain money is really difficult. In this case, you would need short strategies. This is a completely different topic. There you have you have other rules. The, the movements are much quicker. In the beginning, I always thought it must be symmetrical, 
like going up and going down, but it's not true. Usually it goes 70% of the time, slowly, slowly up, up, up. You know this when you're trading stocks, you need half a year to gain some money to make your 10, 20%, which is kind of realistic. And then you have maybe one week and it you have sharp down movements and it's important to protect your your gains at these times and to to create short strategies is is much more difficult on stocks than to uh, create long strategies because these movements they are really i would always say like popcorn in a microwave the stocks are popping and <laughs> it's very difficult to capture whereas these long strategies from my experience is easier they are more smooth great okay. answer great answer i must say and uh really mm. long so <laughs> everyone will have to just uh listen to uh what uh, we are talking about really patiently which takes me to my next question let's talk a little bit about back testing so when you're back testing uh, i know you you use ami broker to back test your strategies now can you describe what training data and test data is in simple words for someone who does not understand what it is i know you uh, uh i was also unfamiliar with these two topics before i read your book but for someone who does not understand what training and test data mean can you explain please yes i mean data is the very most important point which all traders understand very late because if you have bad data you have bad backtests you can simply not backtest therefore i have a whole section in my video course only about data and it starts how to get data for free there are some sources in the internet where you can get data for free and that's also how i started and how i recommend everybody to start if you have little money but you have a little bit time you look in the internet on the there are some good sources how to get free market data but if you have if you want to make it more professional your back test i recommend at a certain stage that you have a professional data supplier and in my case i use norgate data norgate data they are uh, located in australia and what they what is good about their data they not only have for let's say let's take the the us market s&p 500 so 500 stocks at the moment or let's take the nasdaq 100 100 stocks at the moment but from the nasdaq 100 from these 100 stocks which they are in at the moment in this index 12 or so are exchanged every year or 15 if you go back to 1995 until now i think at the moment they are just from these 100 nasdaq 100 stocks maybe 15 or 20 are still in which have been in in 1995 so from this rotation of the stocks because these are already momentum indices so for beginners or just investors we cannot make recommendations but the S&P 500 index for example if you just buy an ETF you already have a momentum strategy and it's very difficult 
to beat this index because it's really a nice index from from its performance itself. It outperforms many stocks and many other indices usually. Only few stocks can beat this index and only a few strategies can beat this index. But back to the data. So because these indices always the, the index memberships change changes all the time. When you make a back test on the current constituents, then for example, let's say you make no back test and you in your back test you have Apple, but maybe Apple was not in the index in 1995, but now you have it in your back test, like you bought it in 1995 and you have it until now. You have a fabulous, fabulous gain tremendous amount of money because you bought Apple but in reality you could not have bought it because it was not in the index and Norgate provides you the data for every year which is in the index so in 1995 you have 500 stocks which have been in the index in 1995 and in 1996 500 other stocks maybe 10 changed 490 are the same and every year it changed and emmy broker you can program emmy broker that it fits to this so it always takes at the moment when you're buying the stocks it's very simple to program it's also in my video course that you always select the stocks which at this time are in the in the index and at the same time fulfill your buy criteria. For example, they have a good seasonality or good momentum or a Bollinger breakout. And there you see the difference when you have a data supplier like Norgate because you get the real backtest with the real stocks compared when you start um, as a beginner and you just take from the internet With, with some data, you say, okay, now I have 10, I have, I have a data row daily on a daily basis of the 100 biggest US stocks, and I make a backtest. This is accurate for the last few years because these stocks have been there and you have chosen it now. And there is not so much rotation in the last few years. But the further you go back, the less accurate it gets. So That's why the data is so important. And the next on the data is, of course, the time frame. So Norgate data, for example, is very good for daily data. Then if you go to intraday data, which I, where I also made lots of back tests, but the last years I more switched to the end-of-day data and the book. My book is most on end-of-day data because there you have the most reliable and the longest history of, of stocks. And when you go to the intraday area, everything gets more difficult. For example, from interactive broker, you get interactive, uh, you get intraday data for free, but I think just for three months. And then you have, for example, eSignal, which has maybe, I don't know, it's long ago when I tested with eSignal data, but Maybe you have in India some good data supplier for, for intraday, but this is really a topic. If you find on many stocks good intraday data to test your strategies, then you, then you are happy. Then you can 
to the end of day strategies make some modifications to 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 make better intraday entries but this is really difficult and what you see from from these examples how important really the data is because in the beginning everybody thinks hey i need a good strategy but everybody forgets that the basis is the data because if the data is is bad it's like garbage in garbage out you never get reliable you always are crazy uh, you get crazy because you test something and then you have errors in the data and it's not accurate or you have uh, changes for example stock splits dividends adjustments all these things a good data supplier must take care of and that's for for that you are paying the money when you have a good data supplier so you mentioned norgate and uh, i have even in your book you have mentioned that norgate data suppliers uh, mm-hmm. is a really good data supplier so uh, just for the listeners uh, does norgate have data for indian stocks and indices no norgate data I, i have many discussions with them they are australia located data supplier they mm-hmm. only have the stocks for australian market and for the us and they will not change this politics for the, for the rest of the world i have a german data supplier which i'm using myself this is lens and partner i think i only mentioned them in the book mm-hmm. taipan is this software this is also okay but you have nothing comparable from my understanding for this price like norgate which has this uh, where you have this point in time constituents so for the indian market i think so they don't supply it i think you must look on the indian market for suppliers there i i don't really know which is the best i my my german supplier covers the indian market but it's not specialized on it again mm. so it's specialized again on the german markets and i think for your community it probably is better to look for some asian data suppliers where are the stocks traded which are on your market because you need the liquidity obviously it's important to develop the strategies based on the on the markets where you are trading on these data sometimes Wonderful. yeah sometimes you can transfer the strategies but of course bef- before i would start to trade indian stocks with the strategies which i developed for the us stocks i would of course love to backtest it on it on the indian stocks and therefore i would really i would really look for a data supplier there and i'm i'm sure that especially india it's a very promising market because it's a it's a emerging market you have many clever people you have a young society and you have a democracy i prefer much compared for example with china where we also have some readers but i everything is more difficult not only from the language but from the whole culture and it, because it's it's a dictatorship in my opinion china mm. and and i think in india hopefully if it stays like this 
you have a great opportunity there. And I think if you go 10 years from now on, you have a very young society with a high motivation. If you, if you have good data and good development of the community, I think that you can uh, overtake some of the Europe, European countries or the, mm -hmm. the US even, maybe on the markets. It's difficult to say, but I think I, I would certainly look for, for good data suppliers in India. They should evolve in the next years, I'm quite sure. Definitely. And uh, firstly, the all the points that you mentioned about having a good data supplier, ensuring the quality of data is fine, is coming from your experience. And this is why I love talking to experienced traders because they tell you things from their experience. Like someone wouldn't, you wouldn't have understood this 30 years ago when you had started out. That's why I believe that, you know, experience is the best teacher. And next point Oof. about, next point about uh, India being, uh, you know, your, uh, one of your uh, favorite markets. I think many people resonate with this view because uh, firstly, uh, this is a very, I'm sure you've heard this very common saying that, for any country to develop, there are two things that are required for sure. One is democracy and other are skills. So we have right. democracy, we have a stable government and uh, we have, like you mentioned, a young population and our government is focusing on skilling up this population at a really fast pace. So that's why many investors, many great investors, big companies, funds, they are quite bullish on India in the long great. run. Great, yes. So your observation is, uh, I think, spot on. And uh, I really, mm -hmm. uh, your view on China also is, I think, uh, pretty, I think it's right that, you know, in the long run, you may not be able to survive on a dictatorship basis model. But uh, I think democracy yeah. is really important for survival, given the Absolutely. times we are living in. Yeah, I can tell you, my wife, she is Russia. She's from Russia. Oh. And yeah, and obviously she is not supporting Putin. Mm. She is very lonely at the moment about all these things which happen. Mm. And we see, for example, about Russia that many young people they try to get out of the country now because they see that they are very limited in the op opportunities. Government shuts down the media. It shuts down the YouTube. It shuts down all the newspapers and all the Western um, companies going out. So they don't have any opportunities there. And I think you see some similar things in China. China, everybody was happy because this, uh, it was going well there over the last two centuries, uh, decades, sorry, over the last two decades. But they are now at a point where they, for example, they they stopped the, the the companies for example with this i forgot the name they they imprisoned or they, they they looked at some companies and stopped them from growing they put more controls more taxes on the company and obviously the companies they are you see on the nest take how the in how the chinese companies were going down and the next step is like in russia that simple the best brains 
they go abroad. So for example, we're here in Germany, we are very happy because we're also an open democratic country. We are very, we have been very happy the last 20 or 30 years that many people from Russia or from these East countries, they come to us because here they see the opportunities. They, they see, okay, here is a society which works well and where they can develop, where they can start a business. And the basis is always what you say, that there is a, there's a democracy, uh, democracy and that you have, a, you have an environment for the companies that they can go, grow without too many restrictions from the governments. I mean, just imagine being in Russia, being a trader and the stock market just crashes 50%. I mean, what would you, mm. how would you face that? And like you mentioned China and in China, I remember, I think last year it made this news made headlines that Alibaba's founder, Jack Ma. Ah, yes, Alibaba. Yeah, this just, was the example. The richest person in China just goes missing for no reason. And can you, how, how, how does, how, I don't understand how these countries support enterprise and entrepreneurship. So I think uh, the government model is really not sustainable in these really uh, strict countries like China and Russia. And, Absolutely. Uh, that's why, like, you know, you mentioned that people uh, flock from these countries to better countries such as Germany. That's what happened in the U.S. as well, right? The whole American dream idea, like it, uh, it gave people hope for a better life. That's why America had so many immigrants from all over the world. Right. Wonderful. So, I mean, it's good that we discuss not just trading systems, but also geopolitics. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, back to trading systems and uh, one uh, quote from your book goes like, all systems have to be switched off sooner or later. Uh, why do you think this statement is true about trading systems? Um, I think this is a little bit, it's a little bit too much maybe to switch off sooner or later, but this... It's a little bit extreme, but the idea about it is that the markets are changing. And especially if you're dealing with the short time frames, then markets are changing all the time. And what could work for some years, for example, in a bull market, it will not work maybe on other market conditions in a bear market. And But this sentence, it's mainly about the very short-term trading strategies. I, I think that if you're dealing with long-term strategies, they can survive better. For example, rotational strategies, where, which are very slowly, like on some of these books behind me, for example, the IV portfolio, where you trade five, you rotate five ETFs just one time per month. So it's very, very slowly. I think... This strategy, because it's trend following on a very slow time frame, this can survive longer. But the shorter the time frame becomes, the more the more reliant are the strategies on the on the trading environment. And 
this environment obviously changes and then sometimes suddenly such strategies, especially if they are not very robust, they stop working. Mm. Great answer, great answer. And uh, then I also remember this quote and I was so, uh, it made me think so much that the simpler a system, the more robust it should turn out to be. Why, why do you believe that is true? And also, uh, what do you mean by a simple system? Like, is it just based on simple observation or only a few lines of code? Like, what makes a system simple and uh, what makes a system complicated, according to you? I think simple systems you can describe in, in a few sentences. So, for example, if you say, gold moves up on Friday, one sentence, it is simple. Mm. Obviously, this will not be the case every Friday, but if you find such a system, it's it's robust. Mm. And for example, if you say each beginning of month, stocks move up, it's one sentence and one idea. Or if you say stocks, when the stocks which are gaining, they will which were gaining the last 10 months, they will also gain statistically in average the next two months it's also very simple and the more simple it is and when when the back test is little rules is is good or is okay then this is more robust for example than when you have some something very complex because obviously the more rules you add to this the more you you adapt to your data set so let's for example take an example you you have you have the last days were down and then was a day up and it was down and up and let's just take the last three days and you say okay now i make a strategy which is adapted to the last three days on, on monday tuesday it was going up and on wednesday it was going down so and make a next tool and you, you will see it worked this week but you put it to the last week it will not work it's already too too much adapted and it's it's just a simple example for you can start when you when you start developing trading strategies i remember myself i it was in the 1990s when one of my first trading strategies obviously is you have to take two moving averages and when the one crosses the other, then you buy. And when it crosses from up to down, you sell. And if you if you optimize all the, the parameters of the first moving average and of the second moving average, you already have, for example, 100 parameter, 100 possibilities for the first, 100 for the second, 100 times 100, then you have already 10,000 possibilities and if you optimize this, you already have the best backtest is one out of 10,000. And in the beginning, then I like this. I got after three, four optimizations, really nice equity curves. And I already thought, okay, this will make me rich. But the problem is, this is only an adaptation to the past. And the more rules you put in, then you add a stop loss and you add a, a profit target. It's also very difficult. So, the more diff the more complex you make it, and the better looks your equity curve, it will not bring you one step ahead 
better look for more simple strategies from the diversification point of view, which we discussed in the beginning. So to avoid curve fitting and over-optimization, your solution you say is to find simple strategies. Right. I know this is not so simple as it sounds mm. because um, obviously I think many are written in, in books and of course the, the, the things, they always repeat itself. So it's difficult to find new things this is positive and negative. I think it's a little bit negative because you think, okay, there is not so much to, to develop. But the good thing is that if you just read enough or you you study all the other strategies, you look in the internet, what, what is around, you will find some strategies sooner or later which are simple and still work. And then, of course, you have to look for yourself if it fits for example one strategy which i have not mentioned in the book but a friend of mine trades you need a lot of money for it but it works is just selling options so mm. writing puts because the market usually goes a little bit up or when it goes sideways you earn the um what is it called the premium you just earn mm. the premium so and the strategy is quite simple. But the problem is with this strategy, it's difficult to backtest because on options data, you know, for every stock, for example, let's take Apple, you have options data, you have maybe 10 different expirations. So how, how long the options chain goes and you have basis prices, maybe also 20, 30 basis prices. So you have so much data Therefore, for options, you don't have backtests. But from the from the real trading, there are some backtests out there. And I studied them, or my friend who trades them, he studied it, and it really works. And it's it's quite simple. So it's not it's not completely simple. For example, you have to avoid special dates where they make a note announcement. You have to absolutely avoid, for example, the dates where the company announces dividend changes or something because when the company makes big jumps, big surprises, then for your options, this is deadly because when you're mm. writing, you have high risks. But such strategies are really there and it works really. Mm. My next question to you is, how enjoyable is systematic trading? Like, when you are trading systematically and when you have taken a trade according to your system and it goes in your favor, like I'm, I haven't experienced that feeling, but I'm sure it's pretty satisfying. Right. So what's your take on mm -hmm. that? Yeah. I think the big advantage is when you're trading systematically that you have more time for other things because you mm -hmm. take your time, you develop your strategies and the computer can make the trades and when it works, it's really satisfying. Mm. And, but I mean, the most satisfying for me is that not only that it works, but that um, really everything works and the, the strategy gives me the, the surrounding 
that I can stick to the strategy. So I have a clear, I have a clear setup. I can mm. take my free time to backtest, and then I just set up the strategies and they work. And the only thing which makes me really upset is technical problems, which sometimes happen. For example, the worst thing is that you have a good uh, signal. For example, I was trading the DAX future and the DAX went up and my signal said, okay, buy. And, but I have not monitored my, my trading at that time. And when I came home to the computer, theoretically, I would already have a big gain, but practically I had no position. The trade was not taken. And this is a really the most difficult point because then you see that you should be long, but the market is already up. And what you are doing then, because if you buy now, everything is not according to your setup because the stop would be different. So you have a different risk. And then you are in a position, which is obviously the worst because your, your setup is completely destroyed. So when everything is set up good, but you must really take care about monitoring that this not is happening to you. Yeah, and uh, one of the traders, one of the Indian systematic traders, his name is Mr. Vivek Gadodia. I spoke to him last to last week and he informed me that, uh, you know, once it happened with him, that he was not monitoring his system and the power just went off and so did the system. Mm -hmm. Like such infrastructural basic problems can also disrupt your systematic trading. So yeah, the point about monitoring is really valid. Now I have one more question about data. And also this question is coming from one of my conversations with a guest on the podcast who mentioned that pure data is a myth. So do you believe in that as well? Is pure data a myth when it comes to data collection for backtesting? Sorry, I don't understand this point. The data is what? Pure data, like data without any errors, without any, uh, any uh, discrepancies. Is it a myth or uh, you have to choose the lesser evil version of data? I mean, what is it? You mean how important is clean data is the question? Yeah. No, my question. Yeah, that as well. Is clean data there? Is it available? Like? 100% clean data without any errors? Ah, okay. If clean data is available. Yes, this is a really good question. I think, yes, you're right. The clean data is never possible because all the trading, all the market is made by humans. And obviously, when you have, for example, the data from your data supplier, you have an open, high, low, close. And obviously, when you have the real data, you always have the spreads. So you always have some point where somebody is willing to buy and willing to sell. So it really depends on the market which you are trading. If you go into, into Forex and you have euro against dollar, which is very liquid, then you have really clean data, which is reliable. And the, the smaller the market gets and the, the higher the spreads become, and the more often you will get spikes and you will get fished or stopped out, 
And this is very important. Yes, it's a really good question because especially that makes it so important what you are trading. Because if you trade stocks which are really not liquid, all the backtests will be useless. And because that's why it's it's really not existing, the completely clean data. It's just a theoretical thing. And this is something that I was not aware of because I thought that how can data, something as simple as data can be different. Like if one vendor has one kind of data, the other vendor should mm-hmm. also have similar data. But yeah. I realized that is not the truth. Right. Now, it's, yeah. Yeah, please, please go ahead. Yes, yes, this was also a finding in the beginning when I developed strategies. Usually you think, okay, you have S&P 500 stocks. It's clear. It's the price from the S&P 500 stocks. But if you know where they are traded, for example, interactive brokers could make their own prices from people which are trading on their platform. Or if you have a CFD broker, it's even worse. They make their own prices. They are the market makers. And for example, such simple things as a, S&P 500 stock, the data can even be different between one broker to another or between a data supplier. And these small differences can make differences in the backtest and, of course, in the real trading. And you need to be aware of. And again, the more liquid and the bigger the market is, then the more reliable are the backtests. Good answer. Now let's talk a little about Ami Broker, and I know you're a big fan of Ami Broker. What makes you think mm-hmm. that this is the best uh, testing software in the market? Today? I think first of all, first of all, it's the quality of the of the software. It is very fast. So when you make back tests, for example, on which is in my book with the Bollinger strategy on 500 S&P 500 stocks, or even on on the Russell 2000 with 2000 stocks and you test 2000 stocks in a time frame of 30 years, it's on army broker in two or three minutes, the back test is finished. For example, I worked with trade station, which was in my first book, you test one market and it can take the same time. So army broker is programmed so smoothly that is really, really fast. So this is one advantage. The second advantage is that you have a large community. So the Army Broker Forum is growing and you find support there for every topic. And sometimes you have to wait one or two days, but you always find something or some codes. And this is growing because people adapt good things and it, it gets bigger, the community, and the software is further developed. And the third point is certainly the price. It is really very cheap. You can, in the beginning, start with a, with a free version and then upgrade. And I think it is the whole software comes for $300 or something like this, which is really from all the, from all the backtest softwares on the retail market, I think this with this capability to test on portfolios i think this is really the best uh, price reward ratio 
compared with other softwares. Yeah, yes. valid, valid points. And also, uh, the AFL language, I mean, we've got formula language is not as tough to uh, learn as uh, an other programming languages. That's also, I think, That's one of right. the points. Now, uh, this is an attack on discretionary traders that you have made in your book, which is that you think successful dis- discretionary traders are lucky. Like, no offense to the discretionary traders listening to this, but why do you think so? I think this point was from Emilia Tomazini, not from me. I think in my, I would not say that they are lucky. I mean, in German DFD brokers, they have to warn their customers with the 90-90-90 rule, which is 90% of traders lose their money in the first 90 days. They lose 90% of their money. So on the other side, this means 10% beat beats the market or they are successful. So I would never say that they are lucky. I think they are really good discretionary traders. And I have met some in the last 20 years or so where, I, where I'm on the market. So for example, Emilio Tomasini in Italy, he, he uh, on, the, on the conference, I met one guy. He's a really big one little bit too overweight because he sits the whole day in a chair, but he gains money every day on certain stocks because he knows these stocks better than his wife, maybe. He trades it every day and every day he makes money. And I would never say that he's lucky because he has a, a certain rule how he made it. But he, on, on one, I would still say If you really go deeper, it's he's kind of systematic because he he knows these stocks so well that he he also looks for repetitive patterns which he always finds. But no, one point really, what advantage of the discretionary traders uh, towards? I mean, both have their advantages. Let's say. One advantage of the discretionary trader is, for example, that some things are not programmable. It's difficult to program. For example, such thing as a trend line. You're, as a human, you see a trend line, you put the trend line, but it's obviously when you program them, you only can program them on lows or on average or on highs, which always points. But when you draw them, You see them with your eye and there the discretionary trader has an advantage. So I would never say that they are lucky. But the problem for them is, first of all, the psychology, because they must be very uh, robust about their environment. For example, this Italian trader, he was very isolated more or less. He didn't look to left and, and right. He was focused on some points where he knows he must focus. This is the most important for him. So um, from the psychology, so the one point is the focus on the market. And when you have the, the systematic strategies, you always have this surrounding which helps you your framework of the rules 
which save you. So I would say the, the systematic traders, because of this framework, they survive in the long run. You don't have 90% of the systematic trader, you, you go, go, go bankrupt like the discretionary traders. But I would say the very best discretionary traders are better than the best systematic traders because they have this advantage that they can see special things and take the opportunity. But it only works with their psychology at the background and only very few achieve this. And so for the, for the beginner or for the above average educated trader, I think the systematic way from this has an advantage because you have a framework which supports you and the clear rules support you, especially uh, prevent you from the big losses which always not avoidable losses, but you can avoid the big losses. I think that's a very rational way of uh, saying uh, that, uh, you know, both those styles have their own advantages and disadvantages. And right. that's a very, very good answer, I must say. Now with that, uh, when we have come to the end of our episode and... Uh, okay. Just out of uh, curiosity, I want to know, are you an independent trader or are you an institutional trader? Do you work for a trading desk or a company? Um, at the moment, I'm independent. Some years ago, I was working for a German fund, which, was I, which I was trading. And at the moment, I'm trading independent, but I'm not only living for the trading, I have to say. I always have have mm. another business besides trading i never was completely only reliable on trading and i think this is one advantage of me because i still see it as a as a business mm. but as a business which is for my fun and not mm. that i i must survive right. if it fails i only have uh, some protection outside i I always want to say, if I don't want anymore, I can quit tomorrow. But I'm mm. still here after 30 years. Wow. <laughs> because I like it so much. Yeah, that's, that's I think, uh, very important that you don't uh, put so much pressure on your trading account to fund your expenses, to fund your life. Right, right. I mean, you can always look at exceptional cases who were racks to riches stories from the stock market, but I don't think it's right to put so much pressure on yourself as well because exactly. trading can yeah. be a pretty uh, heavy, pretty uh, daunting experience for many people because right. of the drawdowns and everything, mm-hmm. the panic involved. Wow, I mean, it was wonderful. Yeah, you, you know, the the all everything that you mentioned. This is coming from an, your experience of 27 years. And I'm sure uh, an hour or one and a half hour long podcast cannot do justice to your experience. I think we definitely need to sit for longer. But uh, it was wonderful okay. speaking with you, Urban. And uh, I'm reading your book as well for the second time right now. And the insights in it are wonderful. I mean, it just feels like... Uh, it's so well explained that I don't even need to look at the internet for further explanation of the topics. 
and uh, your uh, efforts have really paid off i must say in writing both the editions of the book and uh, yeah i mean uh, that's uh, that's all from my end i i got to learn this- so so much from you like uh, this was like in or like a systematic trading masterclass for me and i'm sure for anyone who's listening to this episode there's a lot of value in uh, listening to your words of wisdom and learning from your knowledge and experience so thank you so much for sharing with us and thank you so much for uh, agreeing to come on my show learn from traders and it's a, it's really a great honor for me to have you as a guest so thank you so much for your time and efforts thank you it was a pleasure to be with you and mentioning my book i want to say that the course you find on my website and especially if you start with emi broker there you find this the code example also the video course and this makes it more easy to learn the strategies on on some example and to learn to get your starting point to emi broker if you're interested with this i want to mention i yes i thank you also for the invitation it was a pleasure and maybe in future we can meet again and Definitely. maybe one time i can fly to india maybe i don't you're know you're most welcome please, will, will please let me know whenever you're here i'll uh, make it a point to come and meet you and uh, uh, just wanted to inform you that you know i also tried learning uh, german uh, in my uh, oh, first nice. year of uh, bachelor's undergraduate i i do know a few words but i forgot in most of it like i know okay. right now it's morning over there so guten morgen guten nacht and i know i know these words then nice I, great <laughs> i mean i i failed the exam my, my family doesn't know that but i still tried learning it was quite fun learning yeah learning German. that's good i don't know any indian so far ah uh, you know one now you have a friend now <laughs> okay well so uh once again thank you so much avan and uh, i wish you good luck for uh, all the work that you do and uh, lots of uh, good wishes to you f- uh, from all the readers of your books or uh, in india as well i'm sure there are many people who have read your books here as well okay yeah thank you it was a pleasure yep. goodbye have, have a good day yeah you too take care Thank you everyone for giving me your valuable time and listening to this episode. Uh, I would love to hear some feedback from you and uh, it would be great if you could share this podcast on your social media profiles and if you could share it with the, your friends, family and anyone who you think may benefit from my podcast. Uh, please help me spread the word about my po- podcast and uh, I make lots of content on Instagram as well. Some of, some of it is uh, education educative in nature. It's informative. I'll, I'll teach you new things. some of it may make you laugh and some of it is just my thoughts about random things so if you would love to if you would like to follow me on instagram please search for learn from traders and uh, we can always connect over instagram over dm you can message me over there or you can also write to me on my email which is nyigpodcast@gmail.com thank you so much this is your host meet bandari uh and i hope that uh, my podcast is adding some value to your life have a good day bye